Before we get to the episode today, I want to thank our sponsor, Surf Prep Sanding. Whether you're looking for the highest quality of sanders, dust extractors, or abrasives, Surf Prep has what you need to take your project to the next level. I've been using Surf Prep for a couple of years now and know firsthand the quality of their products. The amazing family who stands behind their brand is by far the best in the industry. Use code MAKERLOUNGE, all one word, for 10% off your order at surfprepsanding.com. Huge thanks to uh, Surf Prep for sponsoring today's video. And um, also, thank you to our patrons. We've got a number of tiers in the in the patron section. So if you head over to patreon.com slash Maker Lounge Podcast, sign up there. You get uh, exclusive access. We do in live stream. We're live streaming right now on YouTube uh, for our patrons. All kinds of different fun. Lots of chat. And uh, we discuss different topics and guests and Today's guest was one of those suggestions. And also, you get stickers. Uh, and we know that in the maker community that you're not a maker unless you have stickers. Welcome to The Lounge. I'm Matt with Voltner Woodworking and your host of the Maker Lounge podcast, where we have a rotating group of makers hanging out and talking shop with each other. Today's guest needs no introduction, but I won't withhold the Maker Lounge podcast intro from him. From toy making to dumpster diving in shows like Trash to Cash or Dirty Money, today's guest knows how to get his hands dirty. He's an <laughs> author, inventor, and flea, mar flea market fanatic. He dabbles in just about every medium there is in the maker community, from leather and metal to wood, glass, and everything in between. He was born holding a Duresta ice pick and the world's <laughs> first GoPro in his hands. <laughs> Nick good. Offerman called him the love child of Robin Hood, Da Vinci, and John Henry, and yet he agreed to be on my podcast. <laughs> Did Nick say that in good, clean fun? Yeah, Jimmy Duresta is with me today hey. at the Make a Lounge podcast. Thanks for being with me, Jimmy. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was in the foreword of of your book. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he uh, he he wrote those words, and and uh, I thought, man, what a what a way to describe somebody. Yeah, yeah. Nick is the, <laughs> Nick is so sweet. Nick and I became friends, thankfully, because before before he became Ron Swanson, because I don't think I'd ever become be able to meet him after Ron Swanson. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was friends with Nick when he was auditioning for the part. He, he had auditioned for it once, and he was all excited. He said that they wrote this part for me, but I still have to audition for it. I really hope I get it. Yeah, he was nervous that they were going to replace him with somebody else, but obviously, the history played itself out. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it was it was great. He wrote a, a nice, good foreword for that for that book. Very uh, telling of you and your history, which is actually kind of what I wanted to to talk to you about um, today. Um, I know a lot of people cover, you know, what's going on now and, and, you know, maybe, maybe, or maybe not the, the shows that you've been on uh, recently. So we'll, mm -hmm. hopefully we'll cover some of that, that sure. ground. So Jimmy, what, what, when did you get started? Um, I've been making stuff yeah. since the very beginning of my, my life. I've yeah. been making things since the day I started. I remember in kindergarten making stuff, everybody would always Lean on me. Jimmy's the kid who knows how to draw. I was just born into it. I really got very, very lucky. But as as I got older, my dad just kept sticking tools in front of me. My dad really, I guess you might say my dad was like like uh, um, Tiger Woods' dad, how he mm. made sure he played golf even from a little age. 
My dad was letting me use the, the radial arm saw. We didn't have a table saw when I was little. We always had a radial arm saw that we flipped around and slid wood through to rip and to yeah. cross cut. And I grew up using a, a nine inch radial arm saw from probably around the age of 10. It's the first time my dad let me use it. Oh, wow. And he taught me, you got to really stand. You got to like from your core and your shoulder, you got to make sure the wood doesn't ride. The blade doesn't ride on the wood. You got to keep that. So that, and that saw, that nine inch, must have been a Delta. Yeah, it's a nine inch Delta. It's still in my dad's, it's the basement of the house I grew up in, which is where my mother lives now. And oh, that, cool. that shot, that saw is still there. It would be a, a nice homage to go and get it and bring it home. It's the first saw I've ever used in my life. Yeah. You're, you're kind of known for restorations. Does that one need any uh, restorations? Or? No, actually, that one's always been in really good shape. It's got yeah. the the tilting. It's got the uh, the motor that rocks on the on its own arbor, and then you could spin the the arm. You could spin the arm completely around so that you could set it up for. You could flip it completely upside down, make it like a drum sander. I remember seeing the the brochure for it, and you do ten, fifteen different things. Yeah. None of which yeah. you want to do except for just cross cutting. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I, uh, my dad had a radial arm saw and, uh, he passed it down to me and, uh, I had that for a number of years, didn't have a table saw and I never got to really fully, un fully appreciate what it could do. Um, because you know, I was a, a new, a new woodworker. I got a table saw. I ended up getting rid of that. And it wasn't until I started seeing all these videos. I'm like, man, I, I missed out. I, I gave that thing up. I'm, yeah. It's <laughs> I funny. Have I have it. three radial arm saws and none of them is set up. Yeah. I actually but, have four of them. <laughs> none of them is set up anywhere because they just, the table saw just does everything it needs to do. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I think what scared me was I was cutting some um, butcher block uh, pieces, maple butcher block. And really the only way to do that, if you don't have a table saw, if you only have a radial arm saw is to run it sideways. And when a piece flew out and, and went through the door on the other <laughs> side of the, the garage, <laughs> that was pretty sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> nice old kickback. Yeah. Stand out of the way. Yeah. So, uh, you, like I said, you, you came out of the, the womb, uh, yielding an ice pick. <laughs> <laughs> I actually made my first ice picks in the beginning of my YouTube. So I've been on YouTube now for 11, close to 12 years. And I made my first ice pick. Well, it's funny. I was in the garment center and at the cash register of one of these places I was buying sewing materials at, there was a little mini ice pick. It was three inches with like a two inch handle made in made in uh, aluminum and it had a faceted mm. handle like a pencil it's very similar to what i make now and i bought that and it didn't have a sheath on it or anything it was just this it was in like a box you buy you buy one of it as, as you need it was really just for punching holes in fabric and whatever and i had that and i would stick it in and out of the the side of my pants so i'd carry it like like a knife on my side but it would be stuck in and out it stuck through the side of my pants yeah and Obviously, I got hung up on a lot of things, and then I lost it. It was the only one I ever had. I lost it. And then I, I made, I was like, I can make one. So I had the brass hex stock, and I pulled an ice pick out of an ice pick handle. And so I made one with the brass hex stock, bigger, longer, more useful. And then I, was, uh, I decided to make the sheath for it. And I said, if I'm going to pull it out of my pocket, it would be nice if it had a finger loop on the top. So then I made the sheath with the finger loop on top. Hmm. And that was the, the loop that's at the top of the ice pick. And that Genesis took about a year from beginning to end and then i kept using them 
on YouTube and I'd lose them and I'd make another one. I'd lose it. I'd make another one. <laughs> and then somebody said, hey, can you make me one? I was like, no, make yourself one. That's what my theory is all about. You make it yourself. Right. Go to the YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. You'll see how I, I, I probably have made a video for, for, for make, for make magazine showing how I did it. <clears throat> and then somebody came up with a bright idea. They said, why don't you pre-sell a hundred? And if you sell them, then make them. If you don't sell them, then don't make them. Mm-hmm. So that's a good idea. So I pre-sold a hundred and then I was stuck making a hundred. <laughs> then I made another hundred and then another hundred. And then I realized I was selling no matter what I made. So then that just kept happening. That's been six years, seven, eight years now. Are you still making them? Yeah. Or you have, yeah. We just batched out 150 today. Wow. Yeah. How many How many would you sell, say that you've sold uh, over since you started? I could ask my buddy who handles my website because he's handled the sales of every one of them. Mm-hmm. I'd say probably close to 10,000. Wow. That's impressive. So is that your number one seller? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, as far as things that, that I make myself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we sold lots of posters, but I don't think we sold that many posters. I'm really bad when it comes to numbers. You know, Bob's really good at that type of stuff. Like he could look at stats and Eric's really good at looking at stats. And I personally have, I just, if it, once the day's over, I forget everything. (laughs) It's like on to the next day. (laughs) So when it comes to stats and and statistics, I'm just really bad, which is funny because now I started Peloton. You might've seen. So Peloton basically keeps a, a record. And it makes me a little nervous having to see everything I've done, but it's, it's, it's new for me to see what I've done, where I've been. Even on YouTube, I know the stats are there, but I hardly ever look because it makes you neurotic. Do you find that that propels you or, um, or does it? Well, with this, with, it's Derek and I just had this conversation. Derek's like, oh, you mean everybody gets to see your Peloton stats? He goes, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want anybody to see it. I said, it kind of shames you into keeping up. Mm. So for that, for that reason, you know, when it comes to being healthy, it's yeah. okay. But when it comes to YouTube statistics, there's not much I can do except just try and do the best I can. And yeah. that doesn't mean anything in the YouTube world. Either you catch on or you don't. You know, the best you can either works or it doesn't. So right. the stats aren't – I can do, you know, this is the cheapest tool on Amazon. This is the best, the sharpest razor blade for under $100. Like I could do that stuff, but that's not me. I just right. got to do what works for me. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So I just keep moving forward and don't look at the stats. It's yeah, hard not to see that number, though, when you open the video two days later and it says 50,000. You're like, ugh. Yeah. I cover the bottom of the screen. So, yeah, on that, do you do you look at, I mean, I know you, if you don't look at the statistics, you don't kind of know what, what to make. Do you look at those in order to know what to make or you just kind of make what's no, on the top of your? I just make whatever comes through my notebook and my idea page. I do obviously have to tailor certain things for, for advertisers. Uh, Carolina Shoes, for instance, Total Boat. You know, I'm using resin and using their products. But I don't say, you know, this week I'm going to make a this because last week I made a this and it worked that time. I, I don't really – it used to always be anytime I made a weapon I got high numbers. But now that doesn't seem to work either. So I don't really know. I'm like completely operating in the dark. I just make whatever I want. Yeah. My buddy Dean has a, a podcast you were just on. Um, uh, and you did talk about that. Uh, oh, the Gatar. <laughs> the, yeah. On his pod- podcast. Maker's it, Way. Yeah. So uh, I imagine that has done fairly well for your channel. Yeah, that did really good. Yeah. In the beginning, that, that video did well. It's, uh, I don't forget how many millions now, but it's in the millions. It's like 28 million or something like that. And then, then out of nowhere, the other video I did where I made this restoration of this rifle, 
which wasn't really restoration. It was just getting this rifle operational. Yeah. And then that video went bananas. Yeah. So that that won't drive your behavior on what you're going to post kind of going forward. You're just. No, I, I yeah. mean, I only I made another guitar years later, which didn't do mm -hmm. well. And the last I did two more guitars for the great guitar build off. They never really did do well. Yeah. I heard on your making it uh, podcast, you guys talking about the success of those videos <laughs> and kind of, kind of laying it out on the table. Like, all right, who's, who's did, did better. <laughs> yeah. So right now the guitar is at 24 million and the, uh, the restoration of the gun is at 29 million. Wow. And believe it or not, the gun video is still monetized. I did a couple of Canon videos, which did well. And one of my Canon videos is not monetized, unfortunately, because it has something to do with not being safe for advertisers. But the second uh -huh. one, exactly the same, is monetized. So just goes to show you it's all just nonsense when it comes to the algorithm deciding what to monetize and what not to monetize. Right, exactly. So um, when you first started YouTube, um, you know, did you did you have a strategy on or? Because you, you had been doing a, f a few different TV shows at the time. Yeah, I did a few shows. I just started doing YouTube because I was mad at the TV business. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to show them what they missed, what they're yeah. missing. And you know, I soon realized they, don't, they absolutely do not pay any attention, could care less what I'm up to. Now it's yeah. a little bit different because the, YouTube, the TV business is farming people out of YouTube because they see people. They mm -hmm. don't have to bank on somebody that's never been in front of camera. They see somebody that knows what they're doing, knows how to at least produce their own stuff and take a direction and do direction. So there is a little bit more crossover now, but in the beginning it was like, I'm going to no man's land you know, you guys go on without me. Yeah. And I wasn't looking back. I was just going to stay on YouTube. The strategy was to just build an online portfolio so that if TV came back to me, I could leverage whatever I did on YouTube. Yeah. And that, that really, if I had to say there was a game plan, that was basically the game plan. It's just to, be so undeniable on YouTube that the TV business had to come back and beg me to do a show. Yeah. And then I would decide there and then. And then that, that kind of happened, not with making it, because when Nick asked me to be on making it, I said, of course, I'll do whatever you want. And I would love to come hang out in California and get to hang out with Amy Poehler. So that was, I wasn't going to be a, a nudge there. When that mm -hmm. opportunity came, I was like, sure. But when it came to doing my own TV show, we were all a little... We were all a little guarded. We didn't want to do it. Yeah. But obviously we did it and we were all very happy we did it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So you were on a couple different uh, shows with your brother, who's a, who's a comedian. Yeah. Right? Me and John and, did several shows. And you initially didn't want to be on TV. I think you kind of just wanted to be behind the scenes, right? Yeah. The very first show pitch we ever did. I was going to just be, I was trying to get a job as a, as a producer on the show, like a, basically an art coordinator, because I didn't even understand what a producer did. I still don't know what a producer does. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I'm joking. But at the time, it was also, it was also foreign to me. I just wanted to be involved. And I did all the prep for the idea pitch. So when we wanted to pitch the idea of Trash to Cash, I had all these these ideas in a big notebook. And I said, I have all these ideas. If we did 10 episodes, I have 10 episode ideas right here. And I knew, I knew going in, I was, wasn't so naive that I knew they wouldn't just throw that book in the garbage and just get a bunch of writers to come up with better stuff. Right. I was really just trying to prove my worth if, if they were to even take me on. And then the producer who we met with, who would have been the executive producer on the network side, he said, why don't you just make stuff and you just make stuff funny? And he looked at me and goes, would you mind being on TV? I said, I'll give it a shot. Mm -hmm. 
But that was never, ever the intention, which was crazy. Yeah. So was it after the first shoot that you kind of got the itch? No, well, we did that season. That that was in the summer of 2002. Me and my brother shot seven episodes of Trash to Cash. And everybody that was on the, the team, the cameramen, the producers, the show writers, they all said, there's no way this show's not going to be a hit. And then the show wasn't a hit because the network lost steam on that idea. Is it, The show was getting some ratings, but they didn't care because they changed gears. Mm. They wanted to become like HBO. The network was FX Network, and then they did Nip Tuck and uh, oh, The yeah. Shield. and Trying to be edgy. Yeah, they, they, they did a couple of shows like that. And any kind of scripted, any, non, any non-scripted reality, they just said, forget that. So and we fell into the wayside with four of the shows. We were in a, we were in a block of time with, with Bert Kreischer. So it was our show, Bert Kreischer, and a couple of other shows. And they all got dropped at the same time. Mm. But that, that's life. That's life in the big city. And right. I just went back home and my brother came up with another idea. We, then we, we pitched the idea. It's funny how this, this world works. So my ex-girlfriend at the time, my girlfriend at the time, her friend was cutting hair for an executive HGTV. She was trimming. She was doing her hair. And she says, oh, I have a friend that just did a TV show. Oh, really? <laughs> he always has ideas. And she says, oh, well, give him my email. If he has anything, have him email it to me. And we had just done a show called Making It a pitch for a TV show called Making It. This is the first time the name Making It got used by me and my brother. Mm. And we pitched this woman at HGTV and it got us a meeting. And we went in there and we showed them the videotape and everything. And then the videotape sat around for more than a year. And it wasn't until late in 2005 when I got a phone call from them. They said, hey, this tape was sitting around. Somebody popped it in and we finally really got a chance to really absorb it. Mm. Is this something you guys would want to do? And we said, okay. And that, that became Hammered. Oh, nice. They abandoned the name Making It, and they ended up going with Hammered, with a small production company in the city handled it. And then that's how, that was the first... Uh, that was when we, when we did Hammered. So we had done... We did the Trash to Cash show, which aired in 2003. And then now here it is in 2006 is when the three years later is when hammered aired on hgtv we did two seasons and then season two they held back to air it on the diy network if you remember the diy network right and then the show went away Mm. and then a couple in 2009 three years later i ended up doing a show called against the grain with jimmy deresta they did it without my brother they picked a an on-camera assistant for me and that show didn't do anything either. <laughs> I just kept <laughs> I kept striking out. Yeah. And then years went by. It, I did a couple little things here and there, nothing that made any waves. But then we ended up doing Dirty Money on HGTV, and that was a lot of fun. And that was looked like it was going to be a big hit. Mm-hmm. And then the network dropped that in like 10 shows at the same time because of personnel changes at the network. Mm-hmm. And then it's, I started doing YouTube. It's brutal, that, that whole yeah. thing. Yeah, I know. I, I saw... Um... Uh, Jason Hibbs, you know, did his premiere of of his show, and then it was like immediately yanked, and it was like, oh, it yeah, is. It, it, well, it it there is no, you can't find it. No it, way. I've yeah. been wanting to ask him how his show is doing because I don't yeah. I don't watch regular TV. I don't have the access to regular TV. I never bought cable. Yeah. So Jason Hibbs' show is not on anymore at the moment. Yeah. So time. so I had recorded. I I recorded it when it was gonna stream. So I have it on my 
uh, I have Fubo TV. Um, and so it's, it's in my queue. So I watched it. Um, but yeah, how, I, how many it, episodes aired? Did they just air the season? Just the one. No it was, way. It was like oh. later that day, something happened. So they, they talked about it a little bit on, on his podcast. And, um, I don't know if they're, if they're going to bring it back or, or, or what. So whenever there's a glitch like that, it's over because they, the show I did called against the grain, they were all in a rush to finish it. Cause they had an air date. Then the air date came and went and they're like, yeah, we don't know. And then a year went by and I'm like, is that show ever going to air? I mean, at this point it doesn't seem like it. Right. And they're like, no, no, it's going to air. And then they said, they called me and, oh, it's going to air this week. We're going to air all eight, all five episodes at the same time. Hmm. So they aired them all like in a block of hour and a half. I'm like, okay, two just hours. To see two how they perform, hours. or just to, for some probably some legal reason that they had to air them for some contractual reason. They yeah. literally threw them in the garbage. Wow. I don't know why. I didn't edit them. I never even saw them. So I don't know. You know, if my performance was so bad. Honestly, I had no chemistry with my on-camera co-host, so I wouldn't be surprised if the show was horrible. Hmm. You know, so, I just know being in the moment that we didn't like. She just. I even said to the producer, I was like, how am I supposed to treat this other person? I wish I could remember her name. I said, this person, I don't know, is she my personal assistant on the show? Is she supposed to be my wife? Is she my business partner? And they said, just keep it vague. Don't, just keep it vague. I was like, yeah. I don't know how to address her. Right. I don't know if I should take her ideas serious or not. I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, I know I'm making four times the amount of money as her. Yeah. Does that mean the show is about me? My name <laughs> is in the title of the show. Yeah. I didn't understand like the relationship I was supposed to have with her. When it was my brother, it's like, oh, that's my goofy, fat, stupid brother who's lazy. Yeah. And this is I'm now I'm working with a respectable woman. I didn't know. I mean, like we never made anything funny. There was no, there was no comedy. Yeah. I imagine having somebody like your brother there with you to to play off of. I mean that that plays a huge part into the chemistry of of a show. Yeah. Uh, so like that, making, like with me, Eric. Uh, sorry, me, Derek, and yeah, me, making Derek fun. and Paul and Pat and John. You know, we had so much fun together. Yeah, and that shows through uh, when you're when that you're watching the good. show. You you can it it's all seems genuine, and it's it's kind of like okay, all right, that one's the that one's supposed to play the the dunce on the show, and that one's supposed to play you know mm -hmm. the subject matter expert, and and it all played very well together. Um, so yeah, uh, and then being on there with somebody else so now that that pushed you into this youtube world mm -hmm. uh where everything does start with Doresta. <laughs> every <Yes>. video Doresta. <laughs> <laughs> well i just thought i i realized this people there's brands that just become household names and how yeah. does it happen you just get a lot of impressions right you know, you'd still you if there was two backpacks in the garbage and one had the logo of marlboro on it you might not smoke and you might not know every millennial even knows what Marlboro is anymore. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to take that. That's just a comfortable brand name. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You might grab the backpack that says Marlboro on it because you're like, oh, that's kind of cool and classic. So I just the idea of just impressing over and over and over my logo, my branding, which I mean, classically, the whole reason it started is because my videos were getting re-uploaded by other people that weren't me. Right. And then when they cut your name out of the corner of the video or they edit, <laughs> you know, your face out. So nobody knows it's you, which might rarely showed my face in my earliest videos. Yeah. I said, if my name is just on everything in the video, then there's no way they could, they're not going to edit out the best parts just to take my branding out. Right. Yeah. When I first started getting involved in woodworking, of course your name came up. And so I'd, I'd watch some of your videos. I didn't know what you, so here's, here's a confession. I didn't even know what you look like. 
<laughs> because that's, I'll, that's fine. I didn't want anybody to know what I look like. I wanted it to be about the work, not about me. Yeah, because you know you'd see your hands, you know, getting in there, and and everything was was sped up, and you know you had a certain uh, way about doing your earlier videos. You mm-hmm. still you still do some of that. Um, yeah, but you you've you've kind of started mixing. I think in some of your videos, some different, you know, more on camera presence. A little bit, just because. Yeah. And I said this on my podcast recently. It's just because it's like. I, I certainly feel like there's a big family now. And, yeah. You know, it's almost like coming to the dinner table and not talking to your family. You'd be like, what's wrong with him? Yeah. Well, nowadays, Even everybody though... sits on their phone at the dinner table. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, this past weekend, I put out the video of the Bullet Bar. The, but I was about to have an intro and all this other stuff, but Derek's here. And then I had another guest at the house, and I had to get the video up. And I said, you know what? Just old school Duresta. No intro, no conversation. Just play it. People will figure it out. And the video is doing okay. It's doing yeah. Right. Yeah, watch it. it was it was a cool build, uh, you Thank know, you. watching it, and then all of a sudden, then you're then you're doing a table. I'm like, oh, there's a table that comes along with it, and you know, then yeah. oh well, now there's two tables. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it then, was it was a hard thing to describe in the description and the thumbnail because it would just look like two old doors and like a pile of old wood. So I was like, just yeah, take one pointed focus. Yeah, and then going out to the scrap pile and you know picking out a floorboard or something and yeah, 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 yeah. And, it was it was it was a fun build. Well, you definitely have a certain um, style, uh, very identifiable, uh, but you still do put your your name, uh, you know, sprayed on onto every project and stuff. Well, people expect it now. It's almost like, uh, you know, like Andrew Dice Clay does the nursery rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> at every show. Like, I, I got to spray paint my logo on something. So if you did a video that videos. if you did a video that didn't have it, people would would uh, call you out on it. Oh, yeah. And I do occasionally I do a video that I'm in a rush and I realize I'm in the edit and I'm like, I got to get this video published by tonight. And I'm like, I didn't put my name on anything in this video. Oh, oh well, whatever. <laughs> One that got away. Yeah. And first comments. I don't see your name being spray painted on anything. This can't be a real rest of video. That's what they say. Yeah. So is so now it's a, an expected uh, reward for people who are watching it. You're going to have like, like the hidden Mickeys at Disneyland. You, you should just start putting them in like obscure places. <laughs> can you, oh, yeah. can, it's, it's can you spot it? <laughs> I've heard this before and I've never actually been at a party where they, they did the drinking game. But a lot of people say they put a video up on the big screen and be like, every time you see a duress in the video, they got to drink a beer. That's great. So that's really fun. I mean, I would, I would love to see somebody do that or an event where that happened. That would be fantastic. Do you, do you regret doing that at any point? No, not at all. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think I it's my name. In, I it's myself. great branding. Um, yeah. yeah, and you know, we'll kind of once you once you reach a certain uh, point where you know you're just known as Daresta, or if somebody says in the maker community Jimmy, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like oh, okay, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, it's funny. I have an old friend from the Lower East Side. She's a a performance artist. Her name is Kimbra Fowler. She's a crazy performance artist that's done wild things on stage. And Canberra, since I've known her now, 30 years, she's always called me Duresta. She oh, never wow. calls me by my first name. So she called me the other day. She's like, hey, Duresta, 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 Duresta. Duresta, can you send me this video, Duresta, Duresta? <laughs> it's just so funny. Because she knows me way before any of YouTube or anything. And she just always calls me Duresta. She's the only one that just like, boom, 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 boom. By yeah. my last name, as yeah. if she's reading my branding. It's funny, funny. So talking more about the community. Um you started Maker Camp, and mm-hmm. how long? How many years has that been going on now? Uh, well, Austin Handel, who is the actual curator of Maker Camp, Austin came to me in 
the summer of 28, 2019. And he said, do you think we could do this thing where you help me invite a bunch of people here? We basically have a hoe down in the mud. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's do it. And that was in 20, October of 2019. So the, the Columbus Day weekend every year is going to be Maker Camp. We're doing our fifth Maker Camp this October. And now we started doing events in the middle of the year. So there's several classes. still. There's still spots available for classes that are going to take place in the new Maker Space that is on the Blackthorn, two miles from my house. So I will be at every one of the events. If anybody's on the fence about buying a ticket and, and if my name means anything to you, and you're interested in hanging out with me, I will be at each one of those events. We're trying to get those tickets sold. So yeah. uh, go to The Maker Camp. There's a class on resin coming up. There's going to be leatherworking and metalworking and hatchet head making and hammer making. Good stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that's so, a, it's a great event. So you, you do it all. You do all of those things. You, you, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. And, and you know, I, I've talked about this a lot. The, the channel itself has afforded me the luxury to experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, having the fans has afforded me the luxury to experiment and also the responsibility I have is to try and entertain and educate. So when it comes to learning how to use a CNC machine instead of being an old codger, you know, nowadays you meet somebody that there was a time where somebody goes, I don't do email. And you go, okay, that's cool. He's yeah. not up for the tech stuff. Now when someone says, I don't do email, you're basically like talking to a 130-year-old tortoise. <laughs> you're like, all right, go back under your rock, loser. Yeah. You know, so it's the same thing now with CNC and laser cutting. It's like, I'm sure there's woodworkers out there that have no interest in laser cutting and CNC. But everybody at one point or another has some need for it. Right. Whether it's a logo branding or... You know, it's almost sad when you see somebody who writes their name on their wood projects with a burning pen. You're like, oh. Yeah. yeah, isn't that cute? Oh. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> hey, you know, you could just get a steel brand made on a laser cutter or a CNC. Yeah. Oh. You know, so <laughs> at this point, like, I, 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 was, I was there. I know what it's like to be like, I don't need that. I can do that by hand. I don't need that. And then one day I was like, maybe I do need that. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I did. And I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for the audience to try to keep educated and entertained and inspired. And, you know, a lot of it, a lot of the things I try and do is really because I'm afraid to do it. And when you're afraid to do something, that's the thing you got to do. Right. You know, when it's like, when you're afraid to like say hello or to try to kiss a girl on a date or, you know, to go over and say, at least say hello to the girl at the party mm -hmm. or the guy at the party, if you feel scared to do it, that's when you should do it. Mm. And, you know, that's the same thing with me when it comes to pottery and all these things that I most recently talk about blacksmithing and may I had never made a hammer really on my own. I did it with a teacher, but if it wasn't there, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it as well as I did, but I've never made my own hammer alone in the shop mm. the way Cliff Dufton and John Siriani do, you know, that's something that I need to do. Yeah. And it's one of those things. It's like, I know I need to do it because it, I fear it. Mm. So. That's great. Great, great advice. So when you, uh, when you want to, do something you haven't done before is youtube your your go-to or friends of or... course yeah no, of course youtube yeah like even though i've hung out with cliff enough to watch how a hammerhead is made i will certainly go either to his videos or, or somebody like or you know definitely reference somebody who's making hammers mm -hmm. just to see the right steps and you know for me it's really more about the the subtle shaping and the hardening you know this chemistry behind hardening is always it's always something i it's always something i forget yeah do you have a, a favorite type of craft that you like doing? Uh, I love metalwork because I'm still figuring it out. You know, woodwork, I believe that I'm not saying I mastered it, mm -hmm. but I know like there's so much in woodwork that I could do if I just 
set the time and energy to it. You know, building this boat right now. In fact, this afternoon, me and Derek did the epoxy on the interior of the boat. But I could certainly stand to learn a lot more when it comes to metalwork, mm-hmm. machining. Yeah. And, of course, pottery. But these are all things that, in due time, everything gets done. Yeah. Um, so, in a, on this podcast, I, do, I like to do games. And um, so, just catching you off guard on this one, probably. But I like to do games uh, in and I mix it up from time to time. And one game that I like to do when I have uh, a one-on-one type of uh, deal is a game called Rapid Fire. Yeah. So it's a way for me to uh, convey to the audience in in a very short period of time uh, a number of different topics uh, about about the guests. So um, Mm -hmm. I'll say something, and then you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. I like it. (laughs) All right. And I get to use this uh, fun little bell. Mm-hmm. If it works, that one. Got it. <laughs> All right. So, first thing that comes to your mind, and we can elaborate on it, or you don't don't have to. Uh, yeah. And it's very easy. Uh, so, number one, <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you're back in school. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. Project that has taken you the longest to complete. The canoe. The canoe. And now the boat. The boat's actually going to be longer than the canoe. Really. So what would you say on your on the time frame that from start to finish? On the I started in May and the boat if I finish it in the end of March. That's how many months is that? I'm not good with my math. Yeah, I'm not good with months either. Yeah, so March, <laughs> March. April, May, yeah. 10 months, 10 months. The boat was the canoe was 8 months. This will be 10 months. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um all right, then I will I'm going to jump down the list because I think this one bleeds into this next question. Go. Project that beat you. (laughs) Oh, uh, wow. Um, The first thing that comes to mind is the black steel banded guitar that I did for the first guitar build off Mm. because I just wasn't feeling it. And then when I put the video out, it got millions of hate messages. Really? People just said you really did a lackluster attempt and they were, they were right. I just thought, I had this envision that if I burned the charred the guitar, that would look cool, like a charred chunk of wood from a fire. Yeah. And as I'm doing it, it just did not look, it looked cool for a minute, but then I was just like, that's it? I just yeah. burned it and then put it back together, that's it? It wasn't much craft in there. And then I blacksmithed up the steel band that went around it, which was okay, but ultimately it was like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. And you got, that's the thing is when you reach a certain, and I, by the way, I, I, sidetrack myself during these games <laughs> we'll get back to mm-hmm. it but Go. um when you see the the hate comments and stuff how do you do you just brush them off yeah i, I have a thick enough skin people can say whatever they want you know, yeah this is like truth social here people say whatever they want right i don't care it doesn't bother me because it's probably but, 100 and or 200 com- good comments that to the one yeah People can say whatever they want, but you know it's just funny. I I don't pick fights back. People want to pick a fight, or they they say some rude comment. But it's funny with social media now. Everyone gets to say whatever they want. Whereas, you know, if you were in a bar situation and somebody annoyed you, or they had funny shoes on, you might like elbow your friend and go, "Look at those stupid shoes that guy's wearing." Yeah. Now nobody gets elbowed, and you say directly to the person, "The stupid shoes you have on are ridiculous." Yeah. Yeah. And because it's through the internet, people don't realize. It still it still burns a little bit, right? Yeah, I, had... I don't I don't. That's that's why people. I think I said it on Maker's Way. Like, do the comments bother you? I was like, no. If I leave a room and I'm wearing a ridiculous outfit, everybody's going to say that to each other. 
just now it just happens that that conversation is turned inside out for the world to see if i have to look i, I look if i don't want to look i don't look right it's going to be there whether i look or not that's true yeah i had uh, chris zapieri on last week i talked to him about um you know how he deals with with people who leave negative comments and stuff he's just like just just ignore it like just yeah just move on you know if somebody wants to be really rude, you know, most of the time I won't see it because I, I looked the first couple of days and I got that advice from Steve Ramsey. He said, just look and say thank you to the people that always come in the beginning and the rest of the people are just people that are passing through. Usually the rude comments come later on. Yeah. yeah. You just say hi to everybody that shows up at the beginning and then kind of fade off and go to work on the next video. Yeah. All right. So we'll go jump back into the uh, rapid fire. Mm hmm. Music that you listen to in the shop? I listen to a lot of jazz. I listen to Coltrane and smooth jazz from, and when smooth jazz has a different connotation nowadays, but I mean like West Coast jazz, like uh, um, Chet Baker and, uh, you know, his whole ilk. A lot of country music. Okay. I listen to Hank Williams, old classic country. And lately i've been listening to like i listen to a lot of charlie crockett lately there's some there's a lot of new country that's really new country that's retro not new country like the crap that came out not like <laughs> the crap you hear at tractor supply like that's garbage but you know like new country like charlie crockett and and if you go to western as western af or western as f instagram there's lots of great new artists that you could have listened to in the 70s or the 60s or the 50s and they still sound like classic country yeah but country classic rock of course i listen to a lot of towns van zandt and like that type of stuff because in your videos we, we hear the music but it's usually in like 10 times speed <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah a lot of people try and slow it down to hear what it is but oh, it's yeah. usually country it's usually country classic hip-hop you know like hip-hop from the 90s and the 80s i listen to a lot of that still yeah if you play it backwards there's subliminal messages yeah. <laughs> All right. Next a lot one. Of, a lot of a lot of metal. Uh, <laughs> Judas Priest. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next one. Uh, favorite book. Are you a reader? Uh, a little bit. Uh, what's my favorite book? I was just talking to a friend about this the other night. I read uh, In Cold Blood. It's probably the only book that I read cover to cover before I gave up on an airplane. Uh, okay. The Truman Capote book. Oh, okay. But when it comes to books, what what book? There's a book I actually just bought again, and it's it's not necessarily like a novel. It's the history of time. Okay. It's the timeline of history, and it was one of my favorite books. I lost in a move, and while I was talking to my friend the other night, we were talking, and she said something about what's your favorite book, and I said the history of time. The ti I keep saying it wrong. The timeline of history. So I found it on Amazon, and I bought it. It's, it's probably in my mailbox down at the end of the driveway right now. Mm. So you're more of a like a fact and and history type of person yes yeah. definitely a history guy actually there's a great book um that i just read and i did I, and to, to be 100 percent honest i listened to it on tape actually two books I'm, i have the worst retention when it comes to books but these are two books i listen to cover to cover if that makes sense mm -hmm. i'm going to tell them to you right now because they're my audio on my audi audible audible oh i do is that, that. yeah audible yeah i <laughs> I listen to books too because I just don't have time like to sit I down and, read. and read. Yeah, my Audible books that's coming up because my Audible app apparently oh. <laughs> offloaded itself. Don't you love oh. that about Apple? It decides yeah. what you don't want to listen to anymore. Exactly. It's since it's been since September, sign in. Oh, you know why it's I'm not signed into Audible because I bought an I got a I got a new uh, phone. Oh, so okay. 
everything signed you out. What, what'd you get? Uh, 14? I got the, yeah, I got the 14, like the regular 14 and then the 14 Pro. Oh, okay. I have one of each. I yeah. have seven phone lines. It, it, is, and do you use them for content creation and stuff too? Yeah, I, I, I do. I use them for all kinds of stuff. So I have one phone that's kind of just, uh, it's like a burner number mm-hmm. if I want to sit on hold. And then I got one that's a good camera. Yeah. Well, um, I have, uh, wait a minute. These books are in here. Why We Make Things and Why It Matters is a great is a great book. Mm. Why We Make Things and Why It Matters. I listened to that book full through. Sounds like a good title. It's a good book. Um, damn, I'm missing the book I wanted to tell you about. But anyway, whatever. Yeah, that's good. You it's know, it's people... on the shelf over there. I'd have to put the phone down and go over and get it, but never mind. Nah, you're all right. It's good. It, it, it More the genre, you know, for people to... To, mm-hmm. to relate to I, I'm kind and of in the same in my, in, in my thing another favorite actually this is funny that one of my favorite books is The Fountainhead okay what's that The Fountainhead is by Ayn Rand it's about sticking to your design decisions it's, it's, it's about an architect and how he does not become influenced by fashion trends and people around him with money oh wow he sticks to his guns so the point, but the big culmination in the story is at the end, Rourke uh, is is the architect, and he has this vision of building these these houses, the buildings, the giant buildings, and they build them wrong, hmm. and he's really upset that they didn't follow his vision. So he goes in there and he demolishes them with dynamite. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that sounds. And it's about yeah. it's about sticking to your artistic vision and not letting anybody deter you from that. That's and if good. they do, you have to go in and destroy what they took in from you wow yeah i always appreciate a good inspirational read so let's like take a peek at that one it's about four inches thick oh <laughs> <laughs> oh maybe maybe not but in so, audible uh, that would be okay it, it's in audible and the book is so long it's let me see how long it is it's 32 hours so i listen to it like a podcast i listen to it in sections yeah do you consume a lot of podcasts I do. I do. I listen to Bill Burr. I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts. I listen to Bill Burr. I listen to, um, I'm going to have to open it because now I draw a blank when you push me to yeah, the Yeah. See the rapid, the rapid fire can, it, it can get you. <laughs> uh, I listen to, um, uh, uh, Fitz all, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, Fitz dog, the Fitz dog podcast, um, with, uh, Greg Fitzsimmons. I listen to, we might be drunk. That's a great one. It mm. has, um, uh, a couple of guys, Mark Norman is on that. These are all comedians. Mm. And um, who's, what's his name? I keep passing this. Uh, Mark Marin. I listen to. I do not listen to, believe it or not, I do not listen to Joe Rogan. Mm. It kind of annoys me that he kind of sways. If he has on a Democrat, Joe Rogan's a Democrat that day. If he has on a Republican, he's a Republican. If he has on a... I have noticed that. Uh, I, it, I, really, I find it extremely annoying. It yeah. makes me. It makes him completely incredible. Un credible to me right I, I do like his style uh of the way that he can can really get into asking the the weird questions um mm-hmm. so that part i do take away from his podcast i but, also find but, they, he does in-depth on things that don't matter at all it's like listening to a cartoon yeah yeah you're like all right so 10 minutes of <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah. And, and and it's like it's i don't know i don't want to bash joe rogan he's obviously does something right yeah yeah, I guess he's the king of podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, pet peeve. 
pet peeve. People that complain a lot. Mm. My biggest pet peeve is someone that complains. Yeah. Stop f-ing complaining and just do it. Right. You're people that complain that somebody else doesn't do something for them. That is like the most irritating thing I have to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Just pick up your bootstraps. Pull up your bootstraps and get to it. Right. Yeah. Slip on your no lace boots and do it yourself. <laughs> You're dull. Yeah. So hipsters. <laughs> I'm a hipster in some people's definition, so I can't be too hard on hipsters. Yeah. Do you uh do you wear Crocs? Uh I have Crocs in the summer, but I don't I don't even know where they are. They always just churn up. So I've worn Crocs in, in welding videos. People love that. Oh yeah. <laughs> My summer gear, usually around the end of May, is uh, maybe the beginning of June. A pair of cutoff jeans and a pair of vans and t shirt. That's it. Yeah. And that's funny because Patrick Reynolds knows me now for six years and he goes, Oh, must be it's officially summer. Jimmy's wearing shorts. <laughs> But are they? And I wear the shorts until September, and then I go right back to jeans. But are they Duresta uh, custom denim? No, jeans? no, no. Those jeans are too heavy. I use too heavy of a fabric for them. I'm sorry, everybody that bought them. <laughs> fabric is too heavy, non-breathable. And it's a tough. It's a tough call. That's a. It's a tough market for sure. Yeah. All right. Worst shop injury. Well, my pinky. I cut my pinky yeah. off. That was fairly the score. fairly early on. Yeah, that happened in 2010. Yeah. Just before I started YouTube, it happened uh, the year before I started YouTube. Yeah. I had a little glitch in the system and I ran my pinky across the table saw and that wasn't fun. Right. It was a tough one. Yeah. When I was prior to that, when I was about 13, I was whittling with a razor blade, like a, a carpet knife or what you would call a utility knife. And I was whittling and it slipped and I slipped my wrist open and that wasn't fun Mm. either. Oh wow. I slipped my wrist and it was tough going to the hospital and having to tell the doctor, my dad told the doctor, my 13 year old son accidentally cut himself with a razor blade while he was whittling a face into a piece of wood. <laughs> he's not depressed and he doesn't need a therapy and right. he doesn't, I don't need child protective services. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I did not cut the vein, although I put a big gash in my wrist that didn't cut through any of the veins right there. Yeah. So I still have the scar on my wrist. Oh boy. Prior, prior to the table. So that probably would have been the most serious one. So is that what inspired making a, a larger razor blade? <laughs> yes. So you can cut your whole hand off with a slip. <laughs> Prior to that, but this wasn't necessarily a shop injury, but it was with a shop tool. Me and my brother were playing out in the driveway with a razor blade, cutting up a blanket to make a scarecrow. And my brother poked me in the eye with a with that with the same type of knife. Wow. Same type of you know like a Stanley utility knife with a fixed blade. Yeah. And he he I was standing behind him and he went like that and the knife poked me in the eye. I almost lost my eyeball that day. Oh wow. I got I got a the cut cut my upper eyelid right on the inside of my like where your tear ducts are. I almost cut my tear ducts open. Really? I probably did. Actually, none of, none of the plumbing got cut. Just my eyelid got cut. Right. So the eyelid right above my tear duct got five stitches in it to close it. Wow. Yeah. yeah there's a picture way back in my Instagram of me and my brother, and you could see how little we were. And I have stitches inside my eyelid. You can see them. That's crazy. Well, you know how I mean, Instagram was... serves it up. I probably didn't come across it, you know. But Yeah, it... no, it's from like four years ago oh, I posted it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I think we've already covered this one. So I think I'll skip it, but. Unless you hit me up, hit me, hit me. Top selling product, which is the ice pick. So second top selling product. Uh, the ice pick and um, the razor blade. Okay. The, the razor blade you just discussed. I make an eight inch wide razor blade. It's a utility blade. Looks just like something that would go inside of a Stanley fixed blade knife, but it's big. Yeah. Yeah. And only Jackman has the handle that it can fit in. <laughs> yeah. I um I saw it when you first did it and uh i was like oh i'm, I'm gonna get one of those and then um you know 
keep preparing preparing myself for this podcast i was of course doing my my deep dive into all things Duresta, and i was like i never bought one of those so uh, i'll be buying one of those so you'll oh send me your address i'll mail you one just I know te- you got that. my text text yeah. me text me i'll mail you one okay all right i'll take you send me your address i'll mail you one all right perfect yeah I, well i'm very much like now i'm super excited <laughs> <laughs> save you 50 bucks right yeah <laughs> yeah those things are awesome so for anybody Thank listening you. in on the podcast, uh, it's yeah, it's it, go. It's like a large scraper. Yeah, just just Google Duresta uh, razor blade, and you'll be pleasantly. Scared. And when I when I originally made them, I was making them by hand. I only made like about 30, 40 of them by hand. I never actually sold them because I was trying to perfect the method of making them. And then I just went, I found a factory to make them for me. And the factory made them with only one bevel as opposed to like a typical real razor blade that has a bevel on both sides. Mm. And that was an accident on their part. But when I got it in my hand, at first I was upset. I'm like, no, there's supposed to be a bevel on both sides. And uh, they said, okay, we'll remake it. And I said, well, let me play with this for a minute. And then I realized the bevel on one side is really useful because it's like a marking knife oh. and a scraper. And so having the bevel on one side has become makes the tool more useful, especially at that size. Yeah. So I said, no, 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 let's leave it like this. So from one side, it looks just like a regular razor blade. From the other side, it's all flat. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, it, it looks badass. <laughs> so, thank you. It's yeah. fun. And my name is etched through it. Yeah. Because, I'm not sure well, I would actually use it. I think I would just display it. But I love when people use it. I've yeah. seen some of the broken tips and stuff. It's good. It's actually really hard in steel, so you yeah. can sharpen it and scrape with it and stuff. Nice. Um, okay, next one. Metalworking or woodworking? Metalworking. You yeah. can be done faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It and so in the process, I mean, you don't have to worry about the wood movement and things like that once you're once you're done. Yeah. You're fabricated. Yeah. 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 From a guy who's making a boat for 10 months. <laughs> That's so did that inspire that the answer to that one? <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. You're so over the boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the the project that beat you is the it, I guess that answers it. So mm-hmm. that's a game called Rapid Fire. See? Super yeah. easy. You passed. Thank you. You, you got 100 Thank you, you got man. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there you go. 100% on that one. Very good. Um, uh, so I was going to talk about your your early toy um, thing, just briefly. Mm-hmm. So you yep. you initially were a toy maker. You've got how many patents do you have? Uh, if you go to Google Patents and you look up James Deresta, which is my legal name, you'll see about twenty twenty to twenty five patents. My name is on, and those are patents that I've co patented stuff with and stuff for myself. And I really don't patent anything anymore. It's been many years because yeah. it's too complicated. It's too expensive. Yeah. I patented things completely on a whim, hoping that I was going to sell them and they never sold them. So I spent all this legal money. Yeah. So I don't patent anything anymore. It's just too complicated. I just publish it on YouTube. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Give it away for free. Yeah. <laughs> just be the, be the first to the market, I guess, this year. But at the time, it was really the business I was in. You, you want a patent so you could actually charge people money to use it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And now now I make more money off the video than I would off any invention. So I'm, I'm okay with that. One of your early patents was the gurgling guts. <laughs> yep, Very cool. That's true. The gurgling guts. And there's a few of I invented it, but because I was in co-designer on that with my brother Joseph and Perry, a friend of ours, I think all of our names are on it. Yeah. And we assigned it to a company called Four Kids. And they're the ones that keep remaking the gurgling guts product. Yeah. That was a fun one. So uh, when I was looking that up, I said, I told my son, I said, hey, bring me that that toy that you've got. So I wanted to see it if it was something similar. So it's this mm-hmm. thing. 
but this oh, yeah. this one is made they put a little uh, fabric around it uh and it's they name it this one's i don't know a different company but it poops <laughs> yeah poops i the... have the patent i have the patent on that too you do okay yeah i was wondering but we about never that. we never enforced it that's called gushers gushers that same thing if you look up the patent it's also i think it's in the it's an addendum to it we made this thing where it was a PVC head with a gel rubber ball inside. When you squeeze it, the gel comes through all the holes. Yeah. So the idea of a constraint skin over a softer substrate that when you squeeze a substrate pops out like zits or pimples or bumps yeah. or bubbles was it was the second invention for the same company. Very cool. Yeah, they're like and little that's boba it. balls, basically. It's kind of what it... <laughs> yeah, so the original thing we made didn't sell as a marketing idea, but then... China picked it up and knocked it off. And there was a video, you might be too young. There was a video commercial on YouTube, sorry, on MTV. And it was a little pig and they squeezed the pig and gel comes out of its butt, just like the one you're holding, mm -hmm. but it was a keychain size one. Yeah. And this is from at least 10 years ago. And that, that was our original knockoff. That was the very first knockoff of that invention that we had patented. Mm -hmm. And now there's been hundreds of different ways it's been knocked off and patented. And the one you're holding there is exactly a knockoff from the patent that I made. Yeah. But I don't enforce it, and it's it would be pointless to try and chase all this money. It's all and besides the patents expired. It's twenty years ago. Oh yeah, so it's common. Uh, what do they call it? Common yeah. uh, domain or whatever. Exactly, public domain. Public domain. Yeah. So I I actually mm -hmm. filed for patent. Um, I came up with something, and I filed for patent because the patent lawyers told me I should. <laughs> and they needed a boat payment. Yeah. And uh, you know, kind of after doing that, and and trying the market for some time, but I'm a, you know, small, small time creator. And you know, what, what am I going to chase it with? Right? Like, uh, you, you got to have the money to back it up at some point. If, if somebody tries to knock it off. Yeah. That's it. You patent something. You basically say it's a down payment, stand, get off my front lawn and I'm not going to have the money to enforce me getting off the front lawn. So you just, right. That's why I don't patent anything. Yeah. That's you go down a rabbit hole of financial stuff with a lawyer and that's, it never ends. Yeah. So what was the what was the coolest toy that you ever came up with? Well, I worked on that, but that was actually my personal invention, so I'm proud of that one. And uh, I was also a designer on the the, the toy uh, the the doll that flies. Oh yeah, how's it called? Uh, I can't like a princess what it's thing or something. Yeah, yeah, it's in the TV show. We talk about it in the TV show. Mm -hmm. And again, when they showed me the final edit, and I'm like. Jimmy invented this thing. I was like, no, 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 no. I didn't invent it. I was on the team of guys that helped design the original prototype. Yeah. And I was the first person after the inventor to play with it. My friend Anthony invented it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was uh, Sky Dancer is what it was called. Mm. So that was fun. I, I was happy to proud and be part of that. Yeah. And I invented a lot of little stupid gadgets for crafting. For instance, there's a Bedazzler. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And the bedazzler is on this arm like a sewing machine. So it's like a hinge. So you, you can't get anything inside of it that won't fit inside the hinge of the bedazzler. And I came up with the idea of like, why don't we just get rid of the hinge and you have a bottom and a top part. Hmm. That's So you can put it right in the middle of the back of a jacket. Right. So as long as the bottom part is on a table, you lay the jacket fabric over it. You could feel where to line it up with fabric. Mm -hmm. And you put your top part on it and you give it a smack with your hand and it does the set of the the teeth in the in the gems yeah or the bedazzles and that was that was an invention that i think is under my name oh cool i came up with there's a company that i was working same company we were doing string art and i came up with this pen that holds string so you could like go through all the pegs on this injection molded board oh yeah and then the string is dispensed out of the pen so a lot of simple stuff like that mm -hmm. 
ever nothing nothing groundbreaking ever uh kind of dabble back in that space not really yeah. it's too cutthroat and yeah. kids don't play with toys anymore they watch youtube video and instagram and tiktok yeah yeah <laughs> so make make uh youtube videos that <laughs> yeah that's what i am doing yeah, i'm yeah. in that space yeah exactly well that's yeah. awesome well i know we're we're cutting it short on time i know you got uh i i saw uh your your house guest walking behind you not too long ago pacing back and forth <laughs> my husband derek is yeah here. <laughs> so uh yeah looking forward to having having him on the podcast and so don't don't tell him any of the inside you know baseball I secrets will. of, of what won't. we do here this is our top secret <laughs> i'll tell him not to listen before he gets on yeah well um one one last question who who yeah. inspires you uh it's a good question. Um, I, it sounds ridiculous, but I inspire myself mm. by allowing myself to be free to play. That's great. And allowing myself to be free to buy stupid shit that I probably don't need. <laughs> and allowing myself to just have fun. Yeah. You know, so that's that's a selfish answer. But, you know, in the situation I'm in lately, I've been single, currently recently single. Yeah. And, you know, I really got to, I really got to look inward and try and be happy with who I am and how I got here and why I'm here. And yeah, you know, it's, it's a little self-helpy, but that's what I've been thinking lately. No, I think it's great. And you, you've been doing a lot of uh, community outreach. And like I said, you've been on several podcasts lately and, um, I think it's great. You're, you're Thank beloved you. in the community and, um, Thank you. I love the community. Yeah. Normally, this is the part in the podcast where I say, you know, where can people find you? But I, I'm pretty sure that they'd be able to find you if they just Google Duresta. <laughs> yeah, if you see my name written on something in the background, you found me. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so YouTube, Instagram. Mm -hmm. Do you do TikTok? Everything, on the, TikTok? everything under my name, Jimmy Duresta. Yeah. You do TikTok? I do. Yeah. Okay. I'm on TikTok. Well, TikTok, it's not, it's not quite as personal on TikTok because yeah. they're just like reruns of my old videos just reshot and recut smaller by a team of mine yeah a small team one person yeah. who works on my youtube uh, works on my my uh website okay yeah so. well uh so thanks for being on the podcast jimmy we'll we'll do the after show uh with the patrons sure so, sure thank um, you thank you thank you everyone for listening so thank you for for listening uh thanks to the patrons uh we've got a number of top tier uh rock star we call them rock stars around here rock star patrons uh jimmy McAnally, which i think you know jimmy um He's the other Jimmy. Yep. <laughs> uh, Matthew with Archiano Sirio. I think you might also know him. Of course. Him. Matthew yeah. is like a patient to all the art. Matt. Yeah. I can't thank him enough. Yeah. He's, he's going to make me cry when I think of Matt. He's, he's awesome. He just sent me, recently sent me a, a little uh, thing for Three Kings Day. Sent me a little mm -hmm. little package. I think he sent it out to a couple different folks. And um, Matt is so thoughtful. I mean, yeah. obviously I've been going through some stuff and going into the fall. And I'm definitely better than I was. And Matt sent me some very... That's beautiful, awesome. inspirational thing. So, Matt, thank you. Buddy. Yeah, he's he's great. Uh, we've got Victor with Wim Design, Justin with Calvary Customs uh, LLC, and uh, Brent with Clean Cut Woodworking. Um, our top yep. tier uh, patrons and a number of other patrons. Um, so, if you want to get in on the patron action, we've got a Discord channel, and uh, we head over to the after show, so we get to do a little bit more deeper dive. We answer patron questions in the after show. So, um, and you get early access. And like I mentioned earlier, stickers. And uh, Sticker Beat is getting ready to uh, make a new batch for me that I'm going to be bringing with me to Maker Camp. So I will sure. sticker swap with you, Jimmy, when, when I when I see you there. Are you going to WorkbenchCon? Oh, that's what I meant, WorkbenchCon. Yeah. Mm. So see you yeah. sooner. So yeah, I'll see you in a couple months. 
Um, woo, woo. But let's. Me and Derek are going to do TV show talk there. Oh, are you? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what we're, we're going to do a little panel discussion of TV show talk. Okay. Awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing all the answers to the questions I didn't get to ask, ask tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So cool. Let's head over to the outro. Oh, I'm Matt with Voltner Woodworking, and you can find me on all of the social media uh, platforms uh, YouTube and Instagram primarily um, at Voltner Woodworking, all one word. Of course, follow. Uh, the Make a Lounge podcast on both of those. We drop the uh, podcast on YouTube and we also uh, share the video portion of this on Spotify. And then the audio uh, goes out to the other uh, podcast services. So thank you for, for listening. And uh, thanks to Surf Prep for Sanding for sponsoring today's video um, and episode. Head over to surfprepsanding.com and use code MakerLounge, all one word, for 10% thank off. You. All right. We're heading into the after show. I hope to see you there. I'll be there.